This episode is exclusively sponsored by Manifest Commerce, helping merchants with earth-friendly e-commerce fulfillment. If you're looking to up your startup marketing game, you're in the right place. This podcast will help you simplify, prioritize, and see big wins from your marketing efforts. Every week, you'll hear from some of the world's best venture-backed startup founders, marketing leaders, and startup experts about marketing, brand, growth, what's working well, challenges, and how crazy and fun marketing can be when you're at a high-growth startup. See ya inside. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Today I have Dan Murphy here with me. Dan is the VP of Marketing at Privy. He is a startup marketing leader. He's got eight years plus of experience helping SaaS startups grow. Before Privy, Dan led product marketing at Drift and demand generation at Onshape. And one more thing to mention about Dan in his busy life, he also created the product launch masterclass.com, which is a course that over 200 people have taken. And that course basically teaches people to turn product launches into their marketing team's secret weapon. So I highly encourage people to visit that site. Do you know who's typically going there to do better product launches? Is it like founders? Is it marketing leaders? Is it all of the above? Yeah, yeah that's that's actually a whole other interesting discussion we get into, but it's mostly built around product marketers, maybe someone that's new in their product marketing career and, and wants to sort of accelerate their launch motion. And it really walks through the framework I use for a lot of the launches I did. I've done over about 70 or so. And it kind of walks them through that that framework and how to use it at their company and how to plan and organize a launch. So it's really built for product marketers, but I actually was working on another version that's specific to founders, but I kind of got caught up in that busy life that you were referencing and, and I haven't completed it yet. So someday soon I'll, I'll have another version of it that's specific to founders, but today it's really a hopefully helpful tool for product marketers. Awesome. Yeah, the busy life catches up with you and then you can't finish stuff. <laughs> On the funding side for Privy, they have closed Series A, so $4.3 million. And Privy is, for the folks that do not know, Privy is a leader in e-commerce marketing. They are providing tools, education, and they support small e-commerce brands that need to grow their online stores and build thriving businesses. And they're used by over 500,000 stores in 180 countries helping generate $5 billion in sales. Awesome. So this is, this is a great conversation that I'd love to have with you. Let's kick it off with, obviously, marketing at Privy. I'd love to dive a little deeper on what you guys are up to. Like what, what's working really well for you right now? What channels are you using that are uh, really impactful? Yeah, so we're a business that is mostly built around the Shopify ecosystem. So Shopify is huge. They have a massive app store ecosystem. And we're one of the biggest partners they have from an app store perspective. Uh, We have over 25,000 reviews, 18,000 of which are, are five stars, happy to report. And we've built a lot around that ecosystem. That's a huge driver of leads and of revenue and of customers today. And 
and we have a very tight integration with Shopify. And, and really the idea is, as you reference, we, we work for small e-commerce brands. It's really a, an extension of their Shopify platform so they can do their email marketing. They can build an email list. They can even do some text message marketing from our platform. So really we're an extension in some ways of Shopify. We, we integrate with other platforms as well, but Shopify is certainly our biggest. So in terms of what's working, you know, it's a being in their ecosystem in a partner market, I guess is what we could put it, you know, refer to it as, has been a very successful channel for us. So much so that we don't even refer to it as partner marketing, right? It's just like our business. So that's really working for us. A couple other things that are really interesting right now that we're experimenting with and we're seeing some early positive signals are TikTok and TikTok influencers. I don't think you're going to find a ton of B2B brands that are feeling like, wow, TikTok might be a, a sizable piece of our budget in the next couple of months. But it's shaping up to be for us. We're, we're seeing some really interesting trends there. It kind of happened organically and then we sort of accelerated it by partnering with some of these influencers. So that's another channel that seems to be working well for us. Sorry, you're the second person that mentioned TikTok from a B2B standpoint today. And so I'm curious, is is it younger e-commerce brand? Like, is it younger folks? Why did you decide to do TikTok? Why is it working well? Why are you getting those early good signals? Yeah, Yeah, so it happened organically where we had some of our customers start sharing TikTok videos that were going I don't know if you'd say viral, but they were getting very popular and they were sharing like their behind the scenes, like how they use Privy and why they use Privy. And it's really, I think about, I think it really emphasizes the style of B2B marketing, right? Like these are not highly polished videos. These are people on their phones showing their computer screen with their phone, flipping back and forth, doing like a little talking head, a selfie style video. And they're just sharing like how they're using the tool. And they're even sharing, you know, like showing the drag and drop editor within Privy, right? Like our, our email editor and just showing these little things where someone can just instantly connect like, oh, great. That's exactly what I need. Right. And TikTok has been so explosive in terms of growth and audience. Like there's all those niches exists. I mean, e-commerce is really a niche. It's, it's huge. But like our audience of small e-commerce brands, they're on there, they're watching, um, they're looking at other content. And so we just accelerated that. We brought in some other influencers. We hired them to do additional video content. We've been using them in Facebook ads and other places. And it's been pretty successful for us running that program. That's awesome. I love it. Expanding out into places where B2B companies don't typically go. But you also have to use a channel where you you know your prospective buyer will be at. So don't do TikTok if your prospective buyer is not there, right? Exactly. You actually have yeah. customers yeah. sharing videos on there. A big piece of our of our customer base are, are starting their business. They're doing this as a side hustle for now. They're just getting you know like they're just getting started with you know e-commerce, and so yeah, they're on TikTok. I don't think TikTok's going to work for everybody. It's not going to work for cybersecurity probably, but it will work for certain audiences and, and ours just happens to be a, a good fit for it. Awesome. And it's like an easy way in because the influencers, are they the same people as the customers that are sharing videos sometimes? So you don't have to actually like look yes. for people and pitch the product. They're already using it. Yeah. Most of the time they're already using it and they already have a TikTok audience. So like that, if, if I were to like, this is early stage and my team's involved with it. I'm not on the day-to-day, but I guess my advice would be with TikTok is like, if you have customers that are already organically sharing TikTok content and there seems to be some traction, comments, views, likes, and you're like, wow, okay, that's that's not bad. 
then you can accelerate it by partnering with them, you know, signing them up to do more videos, giving them access to more of your product. I mean, it's it, TikTok is also great for e-commerce, right? Like we're e-commerce tech, we're a B2B company, but for our customers who are selling, you know, to just viewers on TikTok selling their products, it's also like, that's a whole nother world, right? Of, of being able to get influencers sharing your product, unboxing your product, sharing reviews, like that's a whole nother world too. But it really does, I think we'll see more and more B2B brands. I'm glad someone else has already mentioned it to you because like, I think, it's definitely an area that that has some traction and potential. And anytime you have a new emerging platform, it's like Facebook, you know, in the last 10 years ago, it's like, wow, there's a lot of audience here. There's a lot of traction. This is where people live. This is where a huge piece of the population is going to consume content. Okay, you know, marketers have to approach it the right way. We don't want to screw this up, right? <laughs> and we could argue with Facebook, there's some parts that are screwed up. But you know, if you approach it the right way, this is a channel that could be really, really you know, beneficial to you if you if you explore it and figure out the right way of using it for your business. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about challenges. What are you losing sleep over or hopefully not losing sleep? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is hiring. It's just, we made two recent hires that were really great, like our top candidates. We got them in. We're really excited about for those roles. I have two more open roles right now, someone doing acquisition marketing and we're hiring a director of product marketing. And, you know, the market is really crazy right now. Like we, it was before the pandemic heating up and, and fighting for, you know, people in tech and especially in marketing was, was really getting competitive. I mean, salaries have just gone bonkers. I mean, they really, they really have, they skyrocketed in the last couple of years. So hiring is definitely a challenge. Uh, we've been lucky of like, you know, we're putting the time into it. It takes, it's, it's a lot of time investment from, from you and your team to find the right people. But it's just, you know, th- there's just, there's so much competition for, for good, you know, uh, talent in marketing right now. And so it's one of the years where I'm spending a lot of my time and I don't think it's keeping me up at night, but it's definitely something that, you know, I'm trying to prioritize every single day because it's so critical and important for the future of our success to, to grow out our team. That's right. So is the challenge then that there are too many people applying or it's very competitive because there are so many companies that have open roles and they're trying to get good people in? Yeah, it's the latter of those. It's that there's a lot of great roles. There's a lot of people like great talent, especially in marketing and then specialized talent, whether it be product marketing or this role we just hired for customer education or we're looking at partner marketing, like specialized marketing talent with people with a specific background is is tough to come by and to find those people and then to recruit them to your company. It's just tough because there's a lot of options. And, and you know, it's true across the labor market right now that, you know, there's more need for people in, in jobs than there is labor that's willing to work. But it's also in tech, I think it's that, you know, post uh, everybody making, uh, doing these layoffs in, in early last year, thinking COVID was really going to slow everything down. And then we've had this bump in hiring come back in the last six months and people are hiring like crazy, especially when they downsized in the last uh, a year ago or, or a year and a half ago. Now it's scaling up. There's just more competition. There's less, you know, people are willing to move still, which is great and move around for the right opportunities, you know, salary and stuff like that. But I think there's also a level of competition amongst other tech companies for really, really good marketing talent. I think that's what we've seen a little bit of. We've been fortunate so far. I haven't had to go back and forth with another company, another offer to hire someone, but I just know that there's a lot of, you know, candidates who are, you know, okay, yeah, it's 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 more of a job of recruiting than it is a job of finding the right people. If you can, you know, get them, bring them in, it's not as much about you have too many candidates or too much inbound. It's really about finding the right people and, and incentivizing them to come join your team. That's right. All right. Well, getting away from challenges because nobody loves those. What would you say are the last 
one or two like really good ideas that you or your team has come up with recently related to marketing and not TikTok. <laughs> not TikTok. Okay. Yeah, TikTok was good, I think, but the, you know, we're still investing in, in trying to scale up that channel. You know, we've done a couple different things in the last year and a half. So I joined Privy in January of 2020 and we sort of relaunched the whole team and relaunched the brand and a bunch of things. There was a couple plays we ran that are now a little bit old, but I think they're still super relevant to talk about. I mean, a little bit older, a year old, but I'll, I'll still talk about them. The first was when the pandemic hit, we launched a marketplace for our customers. And so what we did was our customers are small e-commerce brands. What happened when everybody you know, was sheltering in place and there were lockdowns was everyone started shopping online for everything. And we saw this opportunity to help support our customers of like, well, what if we just put together a centralized database of all of our small brands and we help promote it? Because what happened was everyone went to Amazon and Target and Walmart and all these other places online, the big name you know, e-commerce marketplaces. And what we really wanted to do is like, hey, can you support small businesses? Everybody wants to support small businesses. No one's like, oh, I'm against small business, right? But it's always a matter of convenience and discovery and, and the resources that, that many of our customers don't have. And so we have this big platform. We have a big database, you know. And so what we decided to do is put together, we called it shopsmallecom.com. And I think we had 2,500 stores. I think we had 1,600 people sign up on the first day that we announced it. So 1,600 customers say, hey, I, I wanna be on this. And they gave us their logos, their names, a discount. Like they gave us all the information we needed. We put it together in this big database. And I think within a week or, or 10 days, I, I remember working right through our weekend because I was like, oh, we can do this, this is great. And then we launched it. And I think we ended up with about 2,500 stores that were live on this marketplace. And we started promoting it to, to, our, to our entire base. We started promoting it online and giving people exposure to it. I wish I wish I had like how much revenue was attributed to that marketplace, but we did it so quickly and we were kind of scrappy with it that I don't think that we, you know, we never set it up so we could actually measure it, but that was okay. The, the idea there was just, you know, let's get it out there. Let's get it in front of our audience. Let's get our customers featured on there and hopefully drive some sales for them at a critical time when a lot of people, again, shopping very quickly moved to online in a rapid pace. And so it was a, it was a good opportunity we had, you know, it wasn't for this goal, but we had tons of new con like tons of new stores that weren't customers of ours come in. We made lots of new, you know, connections there. And and I'm sure there was, you know, again, we didn't attribute to their own revenue or our revenue. We didn't do like lead tracking or attribution like that, but I know it had a profound effect on, on our own funnel and, and helped build a lot of credibility with our customers, which is ultimately um, one of the most important things that we can do as a marketing team. Yeah, sometimes it's not really about attribution. Well, what did that do for us? How many more small e-commerce brands did we sign up then to, you know, work with us, get them on our... It's also like you put the e-commerce players first. What would they benefit from? What are people doing? What's a trend happening, right? And so creating that exposure for them, that's ultimately like you're, you're creating value for them. That's why they wanted to sign up with you. That's a great idea. All right, well, let's talk about, because uh, I think this is pretty cool. You became VP of Marketing by age 30. It was recent, right? Because I think I saw a post on LinkedIn about that. What's most important to do to get there? What would you say is something that you did that led you to that place? Yeah, so the post I shared recently was about hopefully inspiring to other people of just, you know, when you have a long-term goal, this was a eight-year goal of mine. 
and I certainly wavered away from it. I almost left tech. I almost left marketing at multiple times because I was just got sick of you know situations and people. But I think you know the, the message I was trying to convey was: look, when you have these long goals, man, does it feel good when you get there and you actually hit it? But the goals you have when you're a 22 year old, you know, they're not always the same as when you get to 30. Your goals usually change, and so like also, you know have the, uh, it's okay to, to kind of change paths and follow it. So it kind of just happened to work out for me that way. I was, you know, coming out of HubSpot and starting at my first company, my startup on the first really like marketing job I had full-time job. I just felt like I had this opportunity. I was like, oh, this is, I had a, a VP of, of marketing who told me he thought I could get to there by 30. And I was like, wow, really? Like what, I'm 22, like, what do you mean? Like, how do you, how do you even see that? And so I just kind of made it my goal. And and so I think the most important parts, I mean, one is consistency. Like if that's what you want, like make that your goal and 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 commit to it, right? You're gonna have those moments of doubt. I had plenty of them. Like I said, I almost quit tech. I almost quit marketing at, at different points. But like I realized in, in, in the course of my eight years there, like this is what I really wanted. And it kind of like going between a couple of companies and moving up the ladder, like I realized more and more what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve. It didn't like towards the end, it didn't really become like I need to get this before I turn 30. Like there was no ultimatums or, or guns that anyone had to get me there. It just happened to work out that way. Like we got acquired. My boss left. I had the opportunity to step up and run the team. And, and I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I like here it is. I can get there. So consistency is probably the most important thing there. It's also about finding the right companies and the right mentors. Like I would not be where I am without the bosses I've had over the last eight years. Like I just, there's just no way, like having great mentors and having them invest in you is so important. Um, between Dave and Darren and Ilya and Adam, the, the bosses I've had in my eight years, I've only had about four, I guess. They've just been so supportive of, of me. And, and every time I've showed them something that I can do, they've just doubled down their investment in me. So finding great mentors that are gonna invest in you is so important. And it's a, you know, sort of core value of mine now as a leader and as a, you know, with, I have, you know, five women on my team right now. And, and one of my biggest jobs right now is investing in them and making sure they have the lane so that they can, you know, accelerate their career. And, and luckily we're at a company, we just got acquired by a bigger company and we're having an opportunity that all of them have that open lane to continue their career and get where they want to get. So yeah, I think consistency and then finding great mentors and, and, and also beyond mentors, it's the right companies, right? Like, companies are going to grow like if, if you're an investor you're in in the stock market or wherever like you're looking at the right kind of opportunities right companies you got to do the same thing in your career like if you're going to make a jump make sure it's a jump to a company that's going to grow don't make a jump based on you know oh i can make another you know fifteen thousand dollars or i can move up to you know director level but it's like the company isn't a level up if you're not moving to a company that's a better opportunity a bigger opportunity the company's growing faster the like it's not linear, right? Like, it's not like I got to go from this stage to that stage to this stage. I didn't, I jumped from, I didn't jump between companies for a higher title. Every time I jumped, it was for the same title. And it was just a bigger opportunity at the company and working with a great mentor. All the companies, by the way, that, that I've worked with, I've followed the boss there. So from Onshape to Drift to Drift to Privy, now at part of Attentive, I've been basically following a previous boss that left and went to that company and took me with them. So finding good mentors, being consistent, and then finding growth opportunities. It's not always title or, or, or money. It's really growth opportunities. Will this company grow? Will it be successful in the next 18 months? Because if it is, then I will. If you follow that framework, you'll, you'll be successful. Thank you for sharing that. I want to ask you, why did you almost quit tech and marketing? Um, I was a little burnt out for a little while there, uh, a couple uh, years ago. You know, Drift was an amazing experience, but we grew when I was there. It was like 
you know, 60 employees. By the time I left, it was like close to 500, maybe 450, something like that. And obviously revenue was accelerating at the same speed as, you know, growing the team. And so it was just, I was just kind of burnt out and it was moving really fast. And it was just a symptom of hyper growth. Like that's just what it is. And so I had an opportunity to go work in politics. I did a little bit of my nights and weekends working with a now congressman. He was running for Congress and I almost joined and left his campaign and, and ran his campaign as campaign manager, which would have been an amazing experience, but it was totally, a, a you know, would have derailed my you know career in marketing. And I thought of it as kind of like a sabbatical, like take six months, go run this campaign and then I come back to it. But I realized it wasn't the right thing. I realized I was just sort of burnt out. I sort of recalibrated myself and a little bit of how I was approaching my career and my time at work. And then I continued down the path. And then I ended up at Privy and had this opportunity to work with Dave again. And and so I just, you know, I followed that and it turned into be something really awesome and, and got me to where I am now. Wow, that's so fascinating. I love this little nugget from your path. One last question I have for you. If you could ask one question to a hundred of your peers in marketing leadership, what would you ask them? Hmm, that's such a good question. I've never been asked that before, but I really, I really like that. I mean, it's tough to come down to one question. I want to ask. I would obviously want to ask them a series of questions of different things. I think when it comes to, I think probably the core question is, how do you structure your team for success? And when you, when I say structure, I don't mean org chart. That's certainly a piece of it. I don't necessarily mean like titles and promote. Like that's not really part of it. But it's like, how do you structure and manage a team for success? Is it, you know, the cadence of communications from you as a leader? The how you plan? Are you using OKRs? Are you using, you know, some other framework? How you handle when things aren't working well, right? Like how do you structure your team for success? Um, how do you scale out a team? I and mean, there's always those questions of scaling out and org charts and everything, but I think it's really about like the people, the personalities, the mat, you know, what areas to invest in. How do you structure them? And then the day-to-day cadence and the week-to-week cadence of communicating. And I think it's a, like, it's obviously a purposely broad question because I think I could get a lot of different answers and a lot of different insight, but I think that'd be something really interesting to hear about of like a hundred different marketing leaders who have scaled and run teams. Like, It'd be really interesting to see like how if you look back at it, especially over the course of, of many, you know, years, like how would you structure your team for success? And I'm sure there's a lot of answers like, well, I would have done this different. Now sitting here today, I would have done this part different. I would have made a different investment here. I would have started using OKRs earlier, or I would have, you know, um, made a leadership change earlier. I would have, you know, got rid of this person and hired this person. I think it'd be super interesting to hear the perspective on that. Yeah, that's a great answer to the question. And you sneakingly put in a a few different questions (laughs) within that original Mm -hmm. question. But I think that you get to the heart of it is a lot of people are wondering, like, it's it's a people thing, right? Being in a company, being in marketing, it's really more about people and their personalities and like how to invest in these people and help them grow and how to do that in a systematic way. So I love that. Thank you so much, Dan, for being on the show. We talked about TikTok. We talked about the marketplace that you created during the pandemic. We talked about how you hit your eight-year goal but almost quit (laughs) tech and marketing and why. And then we talked about this question just recently of like how, you know, what you would ask, how you structure the team for success. So I appreciate you so much being on here. If anybody wants to reach Dan, you can find him on LinkedIn, Daniel J. Murphy. Find out more about Privy by going to privy.com. Find out more about the product launch course that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode by going to theproductlaunchmasterclass.com. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you having me on. 
for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Firmanov, or go to my website, firmanovmarketing.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.